I'm glad to be here this morning. This is really awesome, a great opportunity to share what God's been doing and just going to testify kind of what the Lord's been doing the last 10 years and what we hope to accomplish in the next 10 years. This is kind of the things that we've been involved in in the last 10 years and um, in Lithuania and also Moldova and uh, Ukraine, ministering in several countries. There are missionaries from our district uh, in several of these countries, or in all these countries that I just mentioned, and other countries that we've been ministering in. But um, God has opened the doors for us, and uh, uh, we came, became uh, missionaries at large. <laughs> and uh, that didn't have anything to do with my lunch or too many breakfasts, but... Uh, anyway, uh, to minister in these other countries, and God really opened some doors, and it was great opportunities, and um, I could talk all day about testimonies from all parts of these countries, but I just want to give a testimony about the last 10 years of Lithuania specifically, and how God's transitioned us to a new country of, of Slovakia. Um, maybe you guys know uh, Dave and Kim Kaczynskis. Um, they're uh, real big helpers of ours. They... they uh, Got an email from them. I didn't know them from anybody. They said they saw us and in one of the services and coming to Lithuania. And make a long story short, we've just had a good friendship ever since. And I just want to say, I hope he's getting his deer today. Because <laughs> I think it's opening bow season and uh, I don't see him. <clears throat> but um, I'd rather be here in church, brother. <clears throat> so maybe he won't get it till next weekend. But he should be here next weekend, too. So, Okay, well, I'll, I'll stop pastoring and <clears throat> start talking about missions. The first thing I was involved in, I was the academic dean of the Bible College. And uh, we started with three students in a resident program and two students in an extension program. And I said, Lord, after all of that itineration, all of that raising funds and, and getting prayer support, and I'm here and we've got five kids, what are we going to do with these guys? And the Lord just gave me the idea that how Teen Challenge takes students and goes out to churches and they give their testimony and help consolidates it in their heart or confirms it in their heart and helps them get strong in their testimony. And, and I, so I just started taking those kids out. And as I went out talking to pastors in Lithuania with those students, um, that God began to speak to their hearts and I said, why, why do you not send us students? Why do we only have three resident students? And they said, well, we've sent students there, and they come back, and they don't even know how to take an offering. We want them to do stuff. And uh, they come back with a lot of knowledge, and they argue with us about the doctrines and stuff, but they don't have any practical experience. And, of course, Patty and I are really practical people. Patty was the secretary for student ministry at Southeastern College when I went there. It's a university now, like all the rest of them. But, uh, and anyway, we understood what it means. And so I just developed in the curriculum, because I was the academic dean, I can do that. And uh, we have to have student ministry to graduate. And so we got those guys involved in student ministry. I didn't just tell them to create something. We, I just started taking them out to churches and uh, make a long story short, they didn't want to go. And then when we got there, they didn't want to leave. And uh, you know how we are as humans. And 
then are we going there next week? No, we're going to a different church. And it just grew, and within three years we had 70 students and, uh, an ex- and two more extension schools. And so today there is no resident program. It's all extension schools. The National Church, the Assemblies of God in Lithuania, uh, which is actually called the Pentecost Union, but anyway, they are doing all the Bible school ministry. So I don't have a job as academic dean anymore which is part of the reason why we are not going back to Lithuania. And so, but God is moving. They're all, there's about over 100 students in, involved in training right now today through the Bible school ministry. And so that's what we want to do as missionaries. We want to go there and work ourselves out of a job. But um, it sounds fun and it sounds nice, but when you're in the middle of it and you've learned the language and you become my age, my wife stopped at 29 you know, she's having a few anniversaries of 29, but um, I got older, and I don't want to learn a new language, but the Lord has got some other direction. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, the next thing that we were involved in also started in 2000 was uh, Teen Challenge. How many of you have heard of Teen Challenge? How many of you know that God is ministering in Teen Challenge and changing people's lives? On the way over here, the Christian radio station had an advertisement for Teen Challenge. USA, I don't, and uh, it was really awesome. I was like, great, praise, praise the Lord. But God really moved. We had two, well, there's a lady that got saved in prison through the prison ministry of the churches that we were involved with. A pastor went there, led this lady to the Lord and other people. This lady got out and uh, needed something, and so uh, like Teen Challenge, and started trying to help people. Two girls come to her. He got out of prison and said, we need help. We want, don't want to go back to drugs and alcohol. We want to serve Christ. And, and somebody gave them an apartment. And make a long story short, today we have a, over 100 people involved in Teen Challenge Ministry in Lithuania. And they are doing the ministry. I'm not the co- Teen Challenge coordinator anymore for, for Lithuania. They are doing the ministry. And uh, a lot of the students that graduated from Teen Challenge, men and women, came to the Bible school and were involved in our uh, student ministry outreaches. And now they're back in Teen Challenge as leaders. And I'll show you some pictures here in a minute of that. Uh, The other things that we were doing was um, Bible camp. Uh, Pastor talked about camp. And uh, I just want to make something clear about... uh, I was... uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I've had to deal with some of those kids and, and, and uh, people like me. And, uh, I wasn't raised in church. I didn't know what Bible camp was for. I thought it was for fun. So went there to have some fun. <laughs> and uh, Pastor Taylor and Pastor Mark, they both uh, kind of put me to the fire. So I, okay, all right. I'll do better next year. And then I didn't come back. But anyways, um, <laughs> no idea. But uh, it was great, great times bringing a band full of kids up there and seeing their lives changed and watching them. And that's happening in, in Lithuania. The Bible camp, again, is we helped get it started, but now it's run by the National Church. And we've worked ourselves out of a job. And it's not fun. It's not comfortable. Uh, it sounds great, but when you're looking at... I'm 51 and I'm looking at learning a new language and going to a new country and learning all the ropes and the gestures and the funny things and the sad things. It's it's a challenge, but 
I know the Lord has called us to that. And I'll share that in just a, in just a minute. But there was other things that we were doing, especially with the being in the at-large ministry or missionaries in several countries, was to do construction teams. A lot of missionaries have have a lot to do. You know, I say, some pastors say, I got a lot on my plate. Well, as missionaries, we seem to have platters. And uh, sometimes more than one. But um, because the National Church wants you to do this, the Assemblies of God wants you to do that, and in Springfield and the, the Wisconsin Northern Michigan District wants to do this, and then there are other districts that say, hey, well, we want to be involved there. And, and, but it, it makes it fun. But missionaries have a lot to do, and sometimes they need some help, and so we were available. I had worked in construction business. I guess I still have been working in the construction business for a long time. And um, uh, they found that out, and so we were started going to different countries and doing that ministry. And you'll see some pictures, I think, uh, of, of that ministry. But we worked with Troy and Heidi Darren. There are some of missionaries here, the Pyrkis in, in uh, Ukraine and Kiev. Um, they, we worked with them a little bit and uh, seeing God move and minister and build the church. Most of the churches in the former Soviet Union, the congregations do not have a building. I'm thankful for this building. Wow. Are you thankful for this? Okay, well, we'll talk about that later, I guess. Anyways, but uh, it's nice to come in and have... I, I've preached where I could see my breath and I had a coat on. Because we were in a hall, in the town hall, and they, didn't, they don't heat it in the wintertime. And so it's cold. And I've preached in other churches where they have those salamander heaters. You know what those are? Those big things that sound like a jet engine. And uh, this is the biggest one I ever saw in my life. The thing was about two feet across and about six feet long. And during worship, that sucker went. And everybody was making all kind of noise. You couldn't hear... You could hear the music, uh, kind of. So sound today, you know, <laughs> is relevant to where you're at and what's going on. And so then for the preaching, they turn that thing off. So you got this going during worship, and then they turn it off, and then you're preaching. And so you see people when they start putting their coats on, and they start, and the guy walks over to the <laughs> to start that thing up. You know, you're done preaching. <laughs> Because nobody's going to get anything out of it, and they're freezing anyway, so they've got their minds on getting warm. I wish this guy would get done. So, uh, so there, things are a little bit relevant. But we are building churches and putting in furnaces and helping them build their own buildings and been involved in several of those uh, in other countries and in Lithuania. And, and God is building the church physically, literally, and in, in the making disciples portion is uh, very very much a part of what we want to do, but we also want to help them build buildings. And I really like what Pastor said today. We're not making converts. Missionaries, we're not making converts. We're making disciples. And there's a huge difference. We can put up a lot of statistics and, and put up a, uh, pages and print them out and make f- nice things about how many came to Christ. But how many after 10 years are still living for Christ? How many are plugged into ministry and fulfilling what God has called them to do? I was just formulating a mission statement and been, in, been out on the West Coast in Seattle and Portland, Oregon, and uh, doing some things about uh, speaking and, and doing some other uh, re- inner reflection stuff. And um, what is my mission statement as a person? What is yours? 
And, and here's what I like to do. Here's my gifts. Here's, but you put it down to make one, one thing. And that's what I wrote down was make disciples. Help people find their potential, their giftings. Help them grow in that and then release them in the ministry. And at the same time, while I'm doing that and you are doing that, we are fulfilling our potential and finding our giftings. And I think that's what making disciples is. That's what missions is about. And that's what we need to be about as a church. And I'm not your pastor, but I think that's what Pastor Mark is talking about. And that's what we want to do overseas. And there's one thing, you saw that video about that uh, movie. You see this this girl getting that uh, crown and that. I was like, I want one of those, but I I guess it'd look a little goofy. But anyways, um, but... To acknowledge what God is doing in our heart, I think all of us could wear all kind of things. What God is doing on the inside. But we see all those kinds of things that you have here. We don't have those in Slovak language. They have their Bible. There's no Christian radio. There's no Christian television. Lithuanian or Slovakian. And we hope to be there in 10 years or 15 years that the Lord should tarry. I don't think He's coming back next Tuesday. I'm not setting a date. But before He comes, I want to be involved in building the church. And uh, physically and spiritually making disciples. Amen. Let's go to the next slide and get you to move on here. um, Push it. There we go. This is where Lithuania is. You can see it's... um, where the red line goes across there, uh, about half the size of Wisconsin. And uh, we border Poland on the north, kind of the northeast side of Poland. Poland's right in the middle there. We'll go to the next slide. Push it one more time. There you go. This is a teen challenge slide, I call it. Each one of these students or people in these uh, slides is, has a great testimony uh, how God has changed their lives. Um, the guy in the bottom picture... Uh, the tallest guy in the bottom where his wife is standing there, Patty and I are standing there. Um, I get my left and right mixed up. It's on the left side <laughs> for you. And um, uh, Alexander is his name. He was on heroin for four years. He uh, got set free, got led to Christ, and then set free because only Christ can set you free from that kind of stuff and from sin. And sometimes people say, well, I've never done drugs. I don't do alcohol. But you still need Jesus. You still need Christ. If you don't have Christ in your life, you're lost. And you need Jesus. And anyway, Alexander got saved, came to Christ, came to our Bible school, went through Teen Challenge first, and then came to our Bible school and was one of my leaders in student ministries. And then I got a call and he called me up. After he graduated, he's back in Teen Challenge Ministry. He's a leader of the Men's Center. He's leading the Men's Center uh, in Vilnius. Vilnius is the capital city of Lithuania. And that's where Patty and I lived. He called me up and said, Pastor Wendell, can you help me? We, we going out. We're taking our students from the Teen Challenge Center. We're going out to this church. And he named the church. I know who it is and where it was. And he said, and we need another vehicle. Thank you for giving to Speed the Light. And helping these guys, young people, and I know there's others everywhere else, but they're kind of sitting over here, some of them. But uh, 
we have a speed light vehicle that we drove, and we also had a speed light van, and Teen Challenge had a speed light van, and we filled all three of those vehicles up with students, and you can see on the bottom side on the other side, which is on your right side, I think. Anyway, that's what they're doing. They're doing their ministry. They're testifying. They're leading worship, and they're talking about Christ, and Alexander preaches, and all I did was drive. And the Lord began to talk to me about, this is full cycle. And I was like, this is cool. This is so awesome just to now to be set back and watch. And then the Lord begins to deal with me about going somewhere else. And I said, okay. Yeah, it's like pulling teeth. You finally got to do it, you know, you just if they're rotten. But I, I don't think we were rotten. But anyways, let's go to the next one. God is moving in Teen Challenge. This is uh, one of the other guys that was in one of those pictures is named Gedrus. He, start, he is now the leader for uh, children's ministry in Lithuania. There's something like 60,000 street kids in Lithuania that, uh, that live on the street. They have parents, but they, they, don't, have, they don't have to go home. The fa- families are so dysfunctional, they don't go home. Maybe at night, two or three nights a week or whatever. Uh, otherwise, they live on the streets. And, uh, but now we have five centers in Lithuania, and we hope to st- develop these kind of centers in uh, Slovakia. This is the kickoff of that. We con- uh, joined with Convoy of Hope and Teen Challenge Outreach. There's a center started in this town where you see these pictures, and the clowns and the games, and they had face painting, all kinds of stuff. And, and then we gave away food to the families, the, the needy families as well. So, and then... Uh, God really moved in this situation. Uh, I can't go into all the details, but God really moved. They, they, they told us we can't preach the gospel out there in this public park. And so it rained and everybody had to come to the center. <laughs> Amen. I had to stay with the truck out there, but Gedrus, he let him have it. <laughs> and um, Gedrus was saved. He, was on, he started drugs when he was 14. He got saved when he was 18. Uh, got delivered from drugs, went to Teen Challenge, graduated, and now he's in a ministerial program through the Bible school, and he's leading this center. He is the director of this center, and that was a kickoff for that. And that's just how God's working. And it's a testimony to your partnership with us to help us be there and do the things that God has called us to do. Let's go to the next slide. Some of the construction we did, the top picture is uh, before. We had to tear that roof off. It was leaking like a sieve anyway. And uh, we had to tear that off. We had some construction teams from uh, the United States come and help us build it. Now you can see what the bottom looks like. The teams weren't able to finish it, so I had some guys from Teen Challenge that go into work therapy. I paid them to come and help me, and we finished that building. And now you can see what it looks like. It's really beautiful. I don't know if that picture is... it's It's nicer even than the picture looks. But uh, what is neat is to see the gospels being shared there and people coming to Christ. Let's go to the next slide. God is calling us to Slovakia. Czechoslovakia was one country under the Soviet Union. Uh, Now there's two countries. They got their independence. Czechoslovakia got the independence in 91, 93. They split as two countries. They're ethnically a bit different and uh, language-wise a bit different. Same basic language, but uh, they are definitely different. And it was called the Velvet Divorce. They set their set. They agreed that they didn't, and there was no war. Nobody died, and all that kind of stuff. But they made two countries. God has called us to Slovakia. Uh, you'll see some slides later, but 
there are 3.2 million people in Lithuania. We at one time had five missionary units, three families and two singles. Slovakia, a year and a half ago, had no missionaries, 5.4 million people. And the national church has been praying for six years that God would send missionaries. And so while God is working in Alexander's life, and God is working in all those other folks, folks that we were telling you about those ministries, God was working in our heart. And sometimes maybe it was like I wasn't listening. It was a very trying time when they told us, you, you need to find another place to go uh, because the ministries here are taking care of themselves. And so we said, okay. And so there was a desert time. We didn't know where we were going. And make a long story short, uh, a new area director, we're in a new region, a new area director, uh, talked to us by Skype because he lives in Prague in Czechoslovakia, or in Czech Republic. And um, make a long story short, he said, pray about going to Slovakia. So we did and called him back in a week and said, we believe God's called us to Slovakia. Um, there's some of the statistics. We'll click it a couple. Let's see one more time and see what happens. Oh, man, the words didn't show up. There are words under Slovakia. But it's the same kind of mindset. It's former Soviet Union, alcoholism, poverty. And uh, some websites or things on the Internet say that it's the second poorest country in Europe. Moldova is the first poorest country in Europe. But uh, anyway, we're going to bring that up. To change. We're going to change that, meaning that God is going to go in and change people's lives and they're going to be rich in Christ. And uh, you can't... He, he, the Bible says he'd take the poor things of the world to confound the wise. And uh, God's chosen them. God loves them. His heartbeat is for all people everywhere to know him. And we're going to go there. They, the Teen Challenge is struggling. They don't have a ministerial program. Um, they, they don't have a Bible camp program. And we're just going to go there and try to do it again, what we had done in Lithuania. And so we ask that you'd pray with us and, and help us to continue to do what God has called all of us to do. My wife's going to come now. You ready, honey? Okay, me too. This is a lady. We've been married 30 years, March, last March, this March, this year anyway. And I'm glad. Amen. I'm glad, glad she still puts up with me. I am delighted to be here this morning. I remember um, our first time coming was 12 years ago, and it was a very sad night for us. One of our best friends had been killed in a car accident, and we had just found out previous to the, our mission service here. And that was 12 years ago, so all that is just flashing through my mind. And I probably wouldn't remember meeting any of you because my emotions were so um, closed, <laughs> so so wrapped up in that event. But today, it's different. <laughs> It's different, and it's just a delight to be here and to share what God is doing and what God loves to do. It's changing people's lives. I want to just share a, an event that God allowed me to go through last fall. Uh, we returned from Lithuania, and we were living with family because we didn't own a home, and there's wasn't any place for us to go so we we're staying with family members which is okay for a while but then I needed to get out of the house and do something so my brother had an apple orchard and he said come on out and work at the apple orchard so I said okay I agreed 
And so I volunteered out there many hours and many days and many weeks. And I learned a lot. And one day while um, I had done all the process I'd picked and I'd sorted and I'd bagged and priced and did all those things. But one day while I was sorting apples, and I don't know if you're familiar, I had never been to an apple orchard. So the process is when the apples come into the shed, you pour them on this conveyor belt and they go through this conveyor belt. And about halfway through, there's a canvas on top and there are brushes underneath. And the apples, as they pass through, they're all cleaned up. I thought... That was a pretty ingenious invention, you know. These dirty apples come in with leaves and whatever else might be on them, but they're cleaned. And then they come out on this rotating table that just revolves slowly, and the apples are there. And there are six stations where people can stand and sort apples. And so one day while I was there sorting apples, um, my brother was teaching me, you have to pick up each apple individually, and you look at it all the way around, and you have to decide is this a number one, is this a number two, or is this a deer apple? Now, number ones go for a lot of money. Number twos, not so much. And number threes, we almost gave those away. So while I was sorting one day, I said, God, is there something you can teach me through this, all these days and hours that I've been out here? Is there just, I've enjoyed every part of it. I enjoy nature, I enjoy walking, and I enjoy learning new things. So one day while I was sorting apples and deciding which crate they should go in, I picked an apple up, and God spoke to my heart. He said, Patty, you're a number one. I was overwhelmed to receive this message from God that, Patty, you're a number one. And I pondered that, and I cried, and... I was alone sorting the apples. And, and it was, I don't know why it was so hard for me to understand. Um, but I know I've struggled with insecurities and, and um, knowing who I am in Christ and not being able to do something as good as somebody else and significance and all those things have always been a... Uh, something in my <laughs> in my life just not been right and so when God told me this it just all that stuff just like went cleansing through me just I'm a number one it doesn't matter all that stuff that's been going through my mind because that's not God how God sees me he sees me as a number one and a little later God said you know every person I have created is the number one now that seemed to be easy for me to accept because in the Bible it says that God created all all of us. And it was easier for me to accept that that we're all number ones. But when it came to me individually, it was harder for me to accept. But even then, I got to thinking about everybody in the world and people around me and family members. And I got to see people in my mind that they don't know the Word of God. They don't even care to know the Word of God. They live ungodly lives. They don't desire to live righteous lives. And I got to looking at family members that don't know Christ. And I thought, God, how can they be number ones? If they don't even desire you, if they don't even want to live, like your word says, if they live such wicked lives, how can they be number ones? 
And then he showed me Romans chapter 5. Powerful verses. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Even when I was wicked, when I didn't even desire to live for God, he loved me. He gave his life for me. And that's how I became a number one. That's how you become a number one. You know what God told me? I'm too valuable to lose. I'm a different person. I'm too valuable to lose. That's how much God cares for me. And that's how much God cares for each one of you. Because each one of you is a number one. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is telling you. Not what the world and people around you say. When you go out and leave this building today and you're going to see people that are not serving Christ, they don't maybe even know about Christ. They have no desire, but they live in their wickedness. Remember, they're number ones. And God has a plan for them. And God wants them to hear that they are valuable because he has a plan for them. Take that message. And when we go to Slovakia, there's a, a lot of people that have never heard the name of Jesus. And a lot of people that are pushed outside of society because they're not good enough. The Roma people, gypsies as we know them, they're pushed aside in the city. They're a group that are segregated because no one accepts them. But I can go and tell them, you're a number one. You're a number one. You're too valuable to lose. God has a plan for you. So thank you for going with us and reaching out to the Slovak people so that we can tell them that they're number ones. Amen. Isn't she sweet? I get to go home with her. Amen. If I'm good. <laughs> anyway, let's take our Bibles, Acts chapter 4. I believe it's verse 29. We'll go to the next slide there. So I want to read this one verse and talk about it and share with you and we're going to pretend today that we're in mountain time, so that gives me another hour. <laughs> Amen. Okay, I got that confirmation. So I'm going to put that hour sermon into about six minutes. You read it, well, let's, let's read it. Usually I can see it better than I can here, and I can't, I don't, I don't know where my glasses are, so. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great 
boldness. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time together today again. And we just want to focus our hearts and minds on Holy Spirit, what you want to say to us today through the Word of God. Help us to hear it. Help us to receive it. And help us to live it. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Peter and John are walking along, going to the temple in prayer, and they see this guy that's needing a touch, and he reaches out and says, Hey, uh, help me. And they said, Silver and gold, we don't have anything, but we don't have, but such as we have, we give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And there's uh, many sermons been talked about about all that, but what I want to focus in on is they didn't, they didn't say, they said, well, you know, I don't have anything. They didn't talk it like, but what we do have, what we do have, we give to you. And so then it caused a big ruckus because the, the religious people didn't want to see this happen and they didn't want people following this name Jesus. And they, so they took Peter and John, they put them in jail overnight, they threatened them and they said, don't do this and don't speak in that name anymore. And they said, what, how, how are we going to do that? Should we obey God or should we obey you? And I've seen some people <clears throat> take that as an excuse not to do what leadership says, and uh, it's wrong. But in this context, it's very clear that they were doing what God wanted them to do. They were speaking in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> and this guy was healed. And so now, after they've had all these threats and all these things have come about, they went to jail and they got threatened again and kicked out and said, don't, now just go, just get out of here. They went and they had a prayer meeting. They sat down with the folks, with the disciples, with the other people that have come to Christ. And uh, there's a couple of thousand by now. And uh, uh, they, I don't know if they were all together all at that time, but they were together with these guys and they were praying, it says. And, and they said, Lord consider their threats. A lot of times we consider the threats as, as being toward us. But they said, Lord, consider these threats. Push that button one time, the arrow to bring the next little thing down. What intimidates you? What causes you to think that, well, I shouldn't share my testimony. I, I can't do that. Or, oh, man. I, and you just get all nervous and start sweating. And, uh, what intimidates you? What keeps you from sharing your faith with somebody? Or sharing what God has done in your life? You don't have to be a theologian. This is what I taught in Bible school uh, in Lithuania. What I taught to students, these Teen Challenge guys. And especially when we take them out and we do the, give their testimonies. Uh, I said, you don't have to know the theology we, we, that we do in class. You have to for the test, but you don't have to, to go out on the streets. But you do need to know Christ and what, he's, what God has done in your life. And share that. That relates to people. So you don't have to be an evangelist. You don't have to be a pastor. But you can share your faith. What keeps you from, in, from sharing your faith? See, these guys didn't go and hide and say, Oh God, we, we finally got away from those people. We're going to be quiet for a little while and just wait and see what the Lord's going to do. We're going to try to hide and, and we're going to just, we've got to be quiet. They didn't say that at all. In the next verse, in verse 30, they said, <laughs> Lord, extend your hand and do it again. Put, click it one more time. Another question. So what intimidates you 
The first question, what intimidates you? We get intimidated when we get tired and we're not full of the Spirit and we're not full of the Word of God. And what goes on on Wednesday nights here is making disciples. You need to be here to grow in that and enjoy that. We're going to have to build those kind of programs overseas. We don't have those kind of programs. We're going to have to build those kind of programs. You are, you are blessed to have them available to you and you need to get involved in it. And the pastor didn't pay me to say that. Suzanne did. No, she did. But we get intimidated when we're not full of the Word of God and full of the Spirit of God. They prayed and asked God to touch them again and, and do, other, do great things again. What are you asking for? What were they asking for? They said, Lord, do it again. We don't care about their threats. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. What are you asking for? The Bible tells us in Psalms, it says... Ask of me, and I will give you the nations as an inheritance. We need cars, we need houses, we need clothes, we need food. But what are you really asking God for? We need to be asking for those things, but what is God's heartbeat? What is He saying we need to be praying for? Ask of me, and I will give you the nations. God wants to win Cambodia to Christ. God wants us as the church to win Slovakia to Christ. To Africa, all the way around this globe, north, south, east, west. We need to tell everybody everywhere about Jesus. And what are we asking for? God, give us the nations. Will you join with us and ask us, God, give us the nations. Troy and Heidi, give us Moldova. The Pyrkis, God, give us Ukraine. And they're touching many nations from that international church that they pastor. And what we want to do in Slovakia, God, give us the nations. Give us Slovakia. The third question, and we'll push that button one more time. What is your testimony? We run into some people out, out west last two weeks, uh, and everything's about freshness. How many of you have ever eaten an old donut? How about old pizza? Old, cold pizza. Some people say there's nothing better. But uh, I like freshness. And that's what I want to say about your testimony. Keep it fresh. We all have a testimony. Patty got saved at Bible camp up, up in Assembly Park up north in our district here at 10 years old. But she's not living off of that testimony. She has a fresh testimony that God spoke to her about that apple. I want you to know every one of us are number ones on the inside. God looks past all of our degrees and all of the things on the outside. And we sp spoke last week to a special needs class, which is people that don't have all their facilities. They're, they're, they're handicapped in some way or another. And yet God looks on the heart of those people. And when you talk about Jesus and they say, Jesus... Some of them couldn't even say it because of the, the, their handicap. But you can see it in their eyes. When you speak Jesus, they know the love of God. And that's what's number one inside of us, that God wants to awaken in everybody all over the world. What is your testimony? Have you been sharing it? Don't let things intimidate you. What are you asking for? Give it away. This next slide, I want to show you this. 
Now I'm on grace time. <laughs> this intimidates me. Learning a new language is intimidating. But when we pray and we still feel the Holy Spirit, God has given us a passion for these people that live in these kinds of conditions. Click it one more time. There's another word thing that comes up, I believe. Yeah. These are the conditions in Slovakia. Košice is the city we're going to live in. Give him one more click. This is a pastor that's got saved in the in the Slovak church. He's of that ethnic group of the Roma people that Patty mentioned. And that building we don't have yet. We're believing that God's going to allow us to build that, uh, buy that building and renovate it and make it the first Roma church. That's by faith. I don't have a lot of other slides of Slovakia because we've not been there yet. We've traveled through there, uh, but we've not lived there. We're going to go there and hopefully make a difference and in four years come back and give you a bunch of slides of what God has been doing. One more slide. As I mentioned, 5.4 million people, 25 Assemblies of God churches. Affiliated Assemblies of God churches. There is one other missionary. He has been there a year and a half. And then Patty and I will come there. He's living in the eastern part, or in the western part in Bratislava, which is the capital. We're going to live in Košice. So every time you eat pizza, how many of you like pizza? Remember to pray for Košice. Pizza Košice. Say it with me. Pizza Košice. Praise the Lord. Thank you for putting up with us today. God bless you, and uh, thank you again for having us. Amen. Thank you, Wendell. I have no intention to re-preach your sermon, Wendell, but I want to point something out that's very positive, that, that I don't know if you caught it, because it wasn't in the, necessarily in the words, it was in the heart of of these guys. The reason we back up, the reason we bring missionaries in, I was just talking to a pastor about this at some training I was at the last three days, talking to a pastor who's planting a church and trying to give him some encouragement. And he wasn't from our, our fellowship of churches, and they don't have missionaries that visit their churches. And I said, the reason we bring in missionaries isn't, isn't because we can't hear stories some other way. It's because when God, when God brings real-life people who are from Wisconsin or wherever, real-life people, to stand before us and, sh and share what God is doing through them, it does something in our heart that nothing else can do. Remember, your heart's going to beat with God, okay? But I hope you saw something in Patty and Wendell today that is beyond the words, beyond the numbers, um, and it was, it's this. They went to a place because God called them to go to Lithuania, and they did their job in an incredible way that in 10 years... They will work themselves out of a job. That's always been my desire as a pastor, to work myself out of a job. I've always believed if you work yourself out of a job, you always have a job because whatever you're part of gets bigger. And you worked yourself out of a job, and they did it. But that's not the end of the story. The end of the story is they were willing to then say, Okay, God, at 51 and 29, um, I will do it again. The reason I bring that up is we live our lives in such a way that we generally set these set the kind of this life pattern up for us, and we get to a place of accomplishment, and we say, "Okay, I'm done. I'm not going to be challenged anymore. I'm not going to be stretched anymore. I'm not going to do any more." We all do it. 
And I think what God's trying to get us to do today is to say, listen, I didn't, I didn't call you this side of heaven to settle and to do nothing. I called you to do something, to work yourself out of a job. And for, that's bigger than the things you want. You know, um, humanness, I wrote my notes here, humanness says, no, it's too hard. But a spirit-filled life says, okay, God, I'm really tired, but I'll go. I'm really tired, but I'll go. I was in a service recently, and um, the person was speaking. I was, had to go to a, a conference, and the person was speaking. At the end of the thing, I said, I literally sat there, and I, had to, I was praying, and I felt the Lord saying, Mark, are you willing to do the hard thing again? And I'm saying, God, I don't know if I want to say yes. Because I've done a lot of hard things. I've done taken a lot of huge challenges that are bigger than Mark and Suzanne and, and um, that, were, that are huge. And I, and I felt the Lord saying, it doesn't necessarily mean geography change. Are you willing to do the hard thing again? I've given you some time to rest. Are you willing to do the hard thing again? And I had to, I had to ask the Lord, am I willing? I didn't, I didn't say yes. You say, oh, Pastor, you're so unspiritual. I sat there and I said, I don't know if I want to say yes because I know you're speaking to me. And if I say yes, it's because you're wanting me to do the hard thing again. And I'm not sure what that's going to look like. And every hard thing's been bigger than the uh, the biggest, the bigger hard thing before it, because God prepares us today for something greater tomorrow. And at the end of the time, I sat there and I was crying and I said, Okay, God, I'm willing to do the hard thing, whatever that looks like. God, I'm willing to do it. I think it means God's got phenomenal things in store for Portview Church, and it's going to take an incredible amount of sacrifice, an incredible amount of giving ourselves up. That's what I think, and I know this. God leads through a leader, and so I've got to lead in the sacrifice in order to see other people take the sacrifice. I understand that principle. But I want you to understand something. He doesn't just call pastors and missionaries to that. It's a lifestyle. It's called being a Christian. And God has, hopefully, through Wendell and Patty today, just encouraged you to say, when the Lord says, will you do the hard thing? The hard thing might be talking to your neighbor about Christ. It may be saying, you know what? I'm actually going to get involved when Pastor Paul or myself or Pastor Mitch or somebody says, you know what? We got this thing going. We need to get single and parenting going. We need to do our special needs, special needs, our special needs Sunday school class that we're trying to get running. And, and some have said yes, and we're still trying to get going because we don't have enough people. That some of you say, I really don't want to do mop apps from 9 to 11 or whatever on a, on a Tuesday because I, that's when I drink my coffee. I remember a man told me one time, Pastor, we can't go to multiple services because I get up in the morning and I have my coffee and I sit for an hour and I really enjoy it. I wanted to slap them is what I really wanted to do. I really did. I really wanted to. You have no idea how often I want to punch people. But I really wanted to go, bam, are you even saved? That's what I wanted to say. But, of course, I didn't do that. I took a deep breath, and I encouraged him to ask God what God would want. I don't want to ever slap any of you, <laughs> usually. <laughs> But I want to slap me a lot of times. And so I'm hoping what's happening is the Spirit of the Lord is, is wanting to communicate to you today that some of you are saying, you know, I just want to be on autopilot. I made my sacrifices. I worked hard. Now I just want to rest. There is no glory in resting. There's no fulfillment. You want to know why American, wealthy Americans view themselves as the most unsatisfied, some of the most unsatisfied people in the world? Do you know that's true? 
that well-educated, economically sufficient um, white Americans, as the most part, rate themselves as the most some of the most unsatisfied people on the planet with life. You know why? Because we just we just take it the easy way. And God's saying, Church, I've got something so much better for you. It may be to go to Lithuania or to Czechoslovakia, Slovakia, or it may be to go become part of Milwaukee Outreach or City on a Hill or the local food pantry or Rangers or Girls Ministries or Special Needs Class or whatever. Don't sit back and say, nah, it's too hard. I'm going to take the easy way. The easy way is the way of that lacks satisfaction. Here's what's going to happen when they come back. I'll be prophetic because I know it's real. I'll be, I'm serious. I think you could prophesy something that's biblically ac- accurate in a sense of speaking biblical truth. They will come back in four years and go, you're not going to believe it. There's a Teen Challenge Center started now because I've watched you do it in Lithuania. God do it. You're going to say, and now there's a Teen Challenge Center started. You're going to go, and now there's this camping program going, and, and now the, the students are doing ministry, and there were no students, and now there's students. And you're going to do it all. And you're going to come back and say, it's working. And we're going to celebrate. But understand, to get there, it takes somebody who could have said, nah, I'm not going to take a hard challenge. I'm 51. I don't want to learn a new language. Which in and of itself is impossible. So ask God what he wants for you. Amen. Stand with me now. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the joy of being here today.